I'm holding in my hand. Who knows what I'm holding in my hand? No, it's not a microphone. It's a hammer. It is a microphone. Did you know that in 1877, a man named Emil Berliner created the microphone? And of course, a microphone's uh, purpose is to amplify sound. That's what he created it for. Now, I was kidding. Kidding around earlier about saying that it was a hammer, but how many would know uh, he didn't create this to be a hammer? If you wind up using this as a hammer, well, that would be a corruption of the very purpose for which it was created. And I'm using this simple illustration because today we are going to conclude this series that we've been on on kingdom principles and. The message that God has given me for all of us uh, is just to remind us of the purpose for which we were created. So let's turn in our Bible and let's uh, go to the last chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And I'm looking at just verse 10 for right now. Verse 10, it reads, Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go to my brothers to leave for, or go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee. There they will see me. Jesus has now been raised from the dead. And two of the women that did not know he had been raised from the dead had traveled to the grave site, and there they met the Lord. And the Lord, as we just read, told them that they were to go back to the disciples to let the disciples know that he had been raised from the dead, and they were to travel to Galilee, and there at Galilee, they would see him. So now we pick it up in uh, Matthew 28, uh, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. So now, as we have just read, now recapping, Jesus uh, meets the disciples as they travel on the road uh, to, to Galilee and they go to a mountain. Obviously, they have been communicated that where exactly they were going to go and they got there and now they, they meet the Lord and they begin to worship him. But notice the Bible says, some doubt it. Now that some means some of the 11 apostles doubt it. And then Jesus, of course, gives them what we know as the Great Commission, that uh, because he had been given all power, all authority, he commands them now to go into all the world to make disciples and to teach them uh, to obey everything that the Lord had 
commanded. And so now, before we connect our text to this, the purpose for our being created, uh, I think it's important that we lay a good foundation. So I'm going to look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. If anyone is in Christ. Now, what does that mean to be in Christ? Well, uh, simply put, to be in Christ means that you are now born again, that you have uh, embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior, and the Spirit of God has now come into your heart to, be, uh, to, to fill you with the Spirit of the Lord and to seal you as God's very own. And because of God's Spirit coming to indwell our spirit, we become this new creation where the old life life is gone and now this new life created to be like God is is in the picture now that and we begin this Christian journey the Christian journey is about this new creation this new life being lived out through this body are you with me so far okay so now this person now the bible declares it's a new creation so the question we have to ask ourselves, well, there's a few we're going to be asking ourselves today, is, first of all, are we a new creation? In other words, have you come to that decision? You're not a new creation because you feel you're a morally good person. No one is a new creation because they belong to a specific religion or a specific a church. You are only a new creation when you repent of your sin. That means you turn away from your sinful lifestyle and you embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior. You realize the only way and the only means by which your sins can be forgiven is through what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross of Calvary. So the question I want you to ask yourself is, first of all, how, are you a new creation? Have you received Christ as your Savior? And if you have, now the next question is, what's the purpose for this new creation? If we're a new creature now, and the old is gone and the new has come, so what's the purpose for this new creation? Remember, uh, when, when Berlinger uh, created the microphone, the purpose for the microphone was to amplify sound. That's why he's created. So in other words, everything that is created has a purpose. So now, what is the purpose for this new creation, this new spiritual life that the Bible talks about? Well, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it tells us, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so, so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Leave that verse on the screen. Uh, let me just uh, dissect it just a little bit. Notice the Bible begins by saying we are a masterpiece. I've been trying to tell my wife for 42 years of marriage, I'm a masterpiece. But somehow, 
She doesn't get it. So I'm hoping today through this scripture that you see on the screen, she will affirm to me. How many want my wife to affirm that I'm a masterpiece? We're all a masterpiece. We're a work of art because the spirit of God has come to dwell within us and God is transforming us day by day more into the image of his son. But now notice that this new creation has a purpose. We were created so that we can do the good things God has planned for us to do. That's the purpose for our creation, that you and I would do the good things that God has planned to do. Another way to put it that most people are familiar with in Christian circles is we were created to do the will of God. That's the overall scope of our purpose, to do the will of God, what God had planned long ago to do. So now, here's our kingdom principle for today, and that is this. It's living to fulfill the purpose for which we were created. Living to fulfill the purpose for which we were created. In other words, we, we've been talking about kingdom principles, that how we need to structure our life around these kingdom principles. And if we want to live a life that pleases God and that is blessed by God, then we need to structure our life. We need to build our life around these kingdom principles. And the one that we're looking at for today is that we should be living to fulfill the purpose for which God created us. In other words, we need to look at uh, the, the, the good things that God has planned for us to do. And I just want to break down from our text in Matthew, I want to give you uh, this a threefold purpose, if you will, for our creation. I want to break down some of the good things, three good things that God planned for us to do. Are you ready for them? All right. Here's the first one. Number one of our threefold purpose is obedience. Mm, I knew I'd get that one. Mm. You see, the disciples were told by the two women, Jesus told the two women, go tell the disciples, go to Galilee, there they will see me. Now that the disciples had a decision to make, are we going to obey the Lord? Are we going to go to Galilee? Are we go to the, going to go to the mountain he told us to go? And of course, we know that they did. They obeyed the Lord. And it's important that we remind ourselves here this morning that the Christian journey begins and is sustained by obedience. Amen. Doing what God has planned for us to do. It begins with obedience. Why? Because the Bible says uh, that in order to be born again, we must repent. I, talked, I just talked about that a moment ago. We must turn away from our sinful lifestyle. We must make a conscious decision that we are no longer going to live in a way that displeases God. That's a decision that we have to make in obedience to God's word. Then the Bible tells us that we have to embrace Christ. See, it's not enough just to turn away from sin. You have to turn to God. You have to embrace Jesus Christ as your Savior. And then, as a result of that, notice Jesus said, I want you to baptize them. 
in the name of the Father and the Son and the, and the Holy Spirit. See, water baptism is an outward demonstration. It's an outward declaration that you have made a decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It is not an option that the, God has given us. It's a command. And so now we can say, well, I embrace Christ as my Savior. I've begun this journey. But you see, I can't keep the, up this journey. I can't sustain it in disobedience. The only way you and I can continue on the Christian journey is through the pathway we call obedience. Notice what Jesus told the disciples. You baptize them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and you teach them to obey all my commands. Ooh, I wish the word all wasn't in the Bible there. But it is. And the reason why is because the Lord knows our hearts better than we know our hearts. See, we like to look for loopholes, a way out, so to speak. And God, knowing that, covered all the bases. He said, no. See, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to go on this journey with me, you don't have an option. You have to obey all my commands. It's the only way you can sustain this Christian journey. And this is so critical, brothers and sisters, because so many get tripped up in this, in, at this time because they think, I can be a Christian, but yet I can walk in disobedience in this area or in that area. But listen to what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians in chapter 4, beginning in verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I say this, Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the light God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But this isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature with your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes, put on the new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So notice uh, in the beginning there, when Paul talks about Gentiles, he's, he's talking about those who have not embraced Christ as their savior. He's not just talking about those non-Jews. He's talking about anyone who has not embraced Christ as, a, as their savior. And so he's saying, in, in those who haven't embraced Christ as their Savior, they live in a world of darkness because of their rejection of Christ, because they haven't embraced Christ as their Savior. They are living after lustful pleasures. Uh, they're, they're pursuing those things, but we are not to live that way. We're to put off that old life. Remember we read earlier, the old is gone and the new has come. And this new life that's been created follows after God. It was created to be like God. And so, and, and 
part of that journey, part of that creation is to understand I've got to honor God by obeying all his commands. See, I can't pick and choose what I like and what I don't like, what I want to follow and don't follow. Because when you and I try to live the Christian journey in disobedience, it becomes a corruption of why we were created. Just like trying to use this microphone as a hammer is a corruption of why it was created when you and I choose to live a life in disobedience to what God has directed us to do, then we have corrupted the very purpose for which we were created. And I know it's quiet, but it's important. Listen, I, I want to make sure, the, the Spirit of God wants to make sure that you and I understand the very purpose for our creation. Why did God save us? What is his purpose for our life? People wonder sometimes and get all mystical, and, and, but they, they fail to stop at the very simplicity of God's word. Start with obeying God. Stop, start with obeying God's word. Get there and get, get that right in your life, you see. Now notice, because the disciples obeyed, they encountered the presence of Jesus. There is a direct correlation between experiencing God's presence and obedience. Sometimes people, uh, Christians come, oh, why, why can I experience the very presence of God? Why is it that some people experience God's presence more than me? I, I don't know where God is. I never experienced all of that. And let's get back right down to that foundation. Are, are you living a life of obedience? Because you can't be willfully disobeying God and then expect to experience his presence. Remember, he is a holy God. And so if we desire to experience the presence of the Lord, we need to make sure that we are structuring our life around this kingdom principle, and that is living to fulfill the purpose for which we were created. And that purpose, first and foremost, number one, is obedience. Number two, second purpose is worship. Notice when the disciples got into the presence of the Lord, the Bible says they worshiped him. They worshiped him. Let's turn to Psalm uh, 100. I'm going to look at uh, the first three verses. Listen, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. This is just a, 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 but a small micro sample of all of the scriptures in the Bible that exhort the people of God to worship him. And notice the Bible said, uh, don't come in with low voice. Shout. Shout with joy to the Lord. In other words, our worship should be very demonstrative. 
There should be no holding back. And I know we got a voice. I know we can shout. We all have that ability to express ourselves when we desire to do so. And the Bible is constantly exhorting the people of God to come before God with worship that is demonstrative, that leaves no doubt in people's minds who we serve. Worship is critical. It is the very reason why we were created. We were created by God for God to express worship and praise. I've said this so many times. I'll say it again one more time. When we get to heaven on that glorious day, the Bible tells us in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, what we're going to be doing is worshiping God for all eternity. We should be doing that now, starting now. Worship God. Lift up our hands. The Bible, you know how many times the Psalms talk about lifting up your hands? And work, it, it, lifting up your hands is an outward demonstration, again, of worship and praise. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed to lift up my hands. I'm not ashamed to lift up my voice and bless the Lord with thanksgiving and praise. Now, Sister Jessica, you heard her earlier. Pastor Jason, I said, do you need a break? Go, no. I'm not going to let anything keep me from that worshiping God. You see, so often our, our, our worship and praise is conditional. If I'm doing good, then I'm going to praise God. If I feel good, then I'm going to praise God. But the sweetest praise, the sweetest worship is when things are not going well. And you praise God anyway. You see, that truly honors God because you're demonstrating my worship is not conditional. My worship is not conditioned on, on God blessing me. My worship is conditioned on one thing and one thing alone. He's God. And therefore, I worship him. You see. And worship is also far more than just lifting our hands and singing and praising God. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to what? To worship him. You see, obedience is an act of worship. Surrendering to God. Every single day that he gives you bread, Lord, thank you for this new day you've given me. Now I give you my life back to you. Use it for your glory and for your honor. These are acts of worship. Now back to our text. Because the Bible says, when they saw Jesus, they worshiped him. But some doubted. Isn't that extraordinary? The disciples, the men who had been with him for approximately three years and saw miracle after miracle every single day, 
the men who heard his words every single day and heard him declare that on the third day he would rise from the dead. The men who heard the women say, we met Jesus and now he's told us uh, that you are to go to Galilee where there you're going to meet him. And, and those same men that went to Galilee and now see him still doubt it. Still doubt it. Is this really Jesus? Has he really been raised from the dead? I mean, should I, should I worship him? The word doubt there means to waver in opinion. To waver in opinion. Do you know that today, sadly, many of us that were created by God, for God, who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, who have the Spirit of God dwelling within us, many of us today doubt. We doubt whether it's important enough to worship the Lord. Yeah. We come to church service and we are respectfully standing, but that's as far as we'll go. Because in my heart, we don't feel it's important enough to worship him. And, and listen, I've heard the excuses over and over again. Well, you know, I'm quite reserved. Uh, that's just not who I am. Yeah, you're the same person that when your favorite team, the Bears, finally score a touchdown, and all of a sudden, the hands go up miraculously, the voice gets loud, and the same person who claims that that's not them, all of a sudden it is them. And women, you're, not, you're there too, come on. You get to that sale 50% off. Ah! Just teasing, just teasing. Don't get angry with me, ladies. Because men do that too. You see men push ladies at sales. You know what the saddest thing in church is? when Pastor Jason or whoever's leading worship has to encourage us to worship. There's nothing sadder than somebody trying to motivate you to worship. As if Jesus dying for your sins isn't motivation enough. As if Jesus being gracious and merciful, never treating us as our sin deserves, that's not, still not good enough. As to the Lord, providing everything that you've ever needed. Well, that's not still good enough. The truth of the matter is, I was once there. Many years ago, I was ashamed, embarrassed to be lifting up my hands in church. Because I always considered that crazy, radical, until one day, this man who was so far from God that I stepped away from God and felt unworthy. But one day I finally came back to church because I realized how much he still loved me in spite of how much I had failed over and over and over again. God never gave up on me. Jessica was talking about that earlier about her children. And that day, when I entered the house of God, I broke and just say, God, you're so good. And just instinctively, before I knew it, my hands were up. Yeah. 
and, and the tears started coming and I just started to worship God for his goodness. We were singing about it earlier that he's been so good to us. Brothers and sisters, we've all been in that place. I know we've all been in that place where, well, you know, we, we come into church and we, we want, we, we're waiting for that moment. If only Pastor Jason can sing my song. And we pass by Pastor Jason, we you know, slip him a little five. Here's a fiver, my song today. I need to worship, so I need that song. I shared this many years ago, and it just came back to my memory of a pastor who used to struggle that way until one time God dealt with him, that he would actually come into the pulpit and during worship, and if, it, if he didn't feel like worshiping, he would think about his dog that he had when he was a little boy that died. And as he began to think about that, he would get emotional and tears would cry. And now, okay, now I can worship God. You see, it doesn't matter what title you hold in church. It doesn't matter how long you're saved. We all start getting bent out of shape in our hearts and our minds and start thinking all kind of crazy thoughts as to, uh, that's connected to worship. When if we would just get back to that place of recognition, he has done so much already. If he does nothing more from me, for me, he's still worthy to be praised for all eternity. Blessed be his wonderful name. See, because when we waver regarding worship, then we've corrupted the very purpose for which God created us. I've often wondered how much it must grieve the heart of God that the children that he has washed in the blood of his son, that he has graciously blessed over and over again, find it so difficult or even worse, feel it's not important to worship. See, we'll never like to look at it that way, but that's what it really is. I pray that God does a work in all of our hearts today to fulfill the very purpose for which God created us. So in this threefold purpose for our creation, we've got number one, obedience. Number two, we've got worship. And here's the third one, evangelism. Evangelism, simply put, is just telling people about Jesus Christ in an effort to make them his followers. Notice Jesus told the disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples. Go and tell people about me so that they might begin to follow me. This is known in scripture as the great commission that is given to the church, meaning every one of us who is part of the church, not the physical church, but the spiritual building. It's why in Acts chapter one, verse eight, just prior to Jesus ascending into heaven, he met with his disciples one more time and he told them this in Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. You see, the Lord knew my people are going to struggle to share the story of the good news. 
My people are going to struggle uh, and, and, and be embarrassed or be walking in fear uh, when, when it comes to telling others about me. Therefore, I'm going to provide a mechanism. I'm going to provide a way for them. I'm going to empower them with the Spirit of God. This is known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Separate from us receiving Christ when we, when we embrace him as our Savior, there is also a second uh, pouring in of the Holy Spirit, and that is known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the evidence that you have received the Holy Spirit is there's a, a, a speaking in an unknown language. You, you begin to speak in a language that you do not know. It might be another language from this earth or it might be a heavenly language. That is the evidence that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for speaking in tongues. It is not to get goosebumps and feel good. It is to give us power so that we can go and tell. So that we can go and tell. And this is not the responsibility of a few. Oh no. This is why we were all created. This is part of the purpose for which God created every single one of us when he forgave us of our sin and his spirit came to dwell in our hearts. And failure to tell other people about Jesus is a corruption of why we were created. Stand with me, please. We're talking about this kingdom principle today. Living to fulfill the purpose for which we were created.